If you've got a Bible, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5. There are Bibles somewhere dotted around. How many of you sort of ever feel like you just like a little bit more time? Not much, just a little bit more time for yourself. Not selfish, but I just, sometimes I just wish I had a little bit more time for myself. How many of you find yourselves wishing you just had a little bit more time? Not much, just a little bit more time to spend with the people you love, people around you. What about time with God? How many of you know that if only you had more time, you would read your Bibles more often? You would spend more time in prayer. You would spend more time with the Lord. Most people would like to have more time. Most people would like to have more time to invest in those sort of things I've just described. The the difficulty is, the trouble is, if the truth were known, if we actually had more time, I don't know if God decided suddenly to give us a 25-hour day, you know, or maybe he decided to suddenly zap and give us a 30-hour day, it's very unlikely that we'd actually spend our time doing more of the things, um, uh, those things than we already are. If we're not doing those things already, it's very unlikely that we would do them if we had a 25-hour day or indeed a a 30-hour day. If we're not creating, creating margin in our lives with the 24 hours a day that we already have, it's unlikely that we'll suddenly create margin with 25 hours. There's something about the culture in which we live, the world in which we find ourselves, that no matter how much time we actually have, the world around us, the culture in which we find ourselves, has a way of eating into, a way of encroaching upon whatever margin we have in our lives. Just, uh, just think back to your last day off. You, you know, recently, maybe, hopefully this week, uh, you've had a day off. Yes? Don't, yeah. You are having days off, aren't you? It's very important things. Um, so you, hopefully you've had a, a day off. Well, on your day off, chances are pretty high, you know, that um, although you may long to and yearn uh, for spending more time with the Lord... Chances are, on your day off, you didn't spend eight glorious hours in the glorious presence of the Almighty. I mean, you may have done, but chances are you didn't do that. Chances are, on your last day off, you kind of went, oh, great, this is an opportunity for me to catch up. I can catch up on all the things that I'm supposed to have done in the previous six, seven days, and I haven't quite got round to them, so great, here's an opportunity for me to catch up, and so I'll catch up with stuff around the house yeah, I need to do some shopping. There's some chores that need to be doing. I, I'll catch up on some of the emails from work so that then I don't have to worry so much about going to work on Monday or whatever it is. And what I'm saying is the likelihood is that even on the occasions when we have extra time, pretty quickly, the many things that feel urgent to us um, 
overwhelm and take precedent over the things that actually are incredibly important to us. And sometimes it just feels like that's just the way it is. A while ago, we were driving somewhere, I can't remember where, we were driving somewhere, and I don't know, but the, the car kind of felt a little bit weird. It all felt a little bit strange. Driving felt a little bit different. The steering felt a little bit kind of heavier. And I noticed that as I was driving, I kept having to sort of correct the steering. I kept having to correct the steering because um, the car kept sort of veering, you know, slowly, a little only, only slightly. But I noticed that the car was uh, sort of veering over to the left all the time. And, um, of course, what happened was, you know, um, Kate had uh, driven into a curb uh, a few days before, probably, and, um, uh, and the wheels were completely out of alignment. Um, Kate's not here at the moment. I'm going to die for that one as well. Um, I'm still paying for the last week's one, and now I'm going to pay for this one. Uh, I'm the one who usually hits the curb, and so uh, driving at high speed somewhere, I'd probably crashed into a curb and whacked the wheels slightly out of alignment. Anyway, the wheels were out of alignment. It's a strange sensation because the car just sort of naturally just kind of pulls to one side. If I didn't constantly fight it, if I wasn't constantly kind of overcomp- trying to overcompensate, the thing was just going to keep veering over to the left and we were going to end up in a ditch. The truth is, by nature... We are out of alignment with God. We're out of alignment to God. By nature, we are sinners. By nature, the natural pull of the world in which we live is is not towards God. It is away from God. And is not towards God. It's away from God and towards the culture in which we find ourselves. And, And what happens is, unless we're constantly doing battle with the steering wheel of our lives, culture will constantly pull us off center and into a marginless lifestyle. Over the past couple of weeks, we've been doing a series on margin uh, and how we can very easily find ourselves living life with very little margin, very little margin to be available to those around us, very little margin to be present uh, to those we love, very little margin to have the time and the space to be interrupted and to be glad of that interruption, very little margin to have time to rest, very little margin to have time to relax, very little margin to have time to spend uh, with God and to uh, experience all the things that he has for us. And so over the summer and before September is upon us again, I want us to be thinking about, I want us to prayerfully ponder this question. And the question is, how much margin do I have in my life? How much margin do I have in my life? And when I'm talking about margin, I'm talking about space, the final frontier. I'm talking about the difference between what we have, on the one hand, and what we need. I'm talking about the amount that's available to us beyond what's absolutely necessary. Because when we have margin in our lives, we have time, we have space for all kinds of things, all kinds of adventures. 
when we have uh, uh, time, when we have margin in our lives, we have time. Uh, we have time and space to re- just to rest. When we have margin in our lives, we have time, we have space for the people around us. When we have margin in our lives, we have time and space for the things of the kingdom to break through and uh, we have time and space for God. The challenge for many of us is that margin is exactly what most of us don't have. So, Ephesians chapter 5, starting at verse 15. Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Be very careful. Be very careful. Be very careful then how you live. Because if we're not very careful, if we're not paying attention, we need to understand that there is this pull which is taking us away and pulling us away from the important things in life to the less important things in life. Be very careful then how you live. Be careful that you're giving your attention to the things that really matter and that you're not giving your attention and your time and your energy to the things that really don't. Paul writes, be very careful then how you live. Fight against the culture. Fight against this pull away from the things of the kingdom, away from the things of God, away from the things of a heavenly mindset towards a worldly view, towards a a cultural perspective. Fight against this, this steering, this pull that is pulling us into a ditch. Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. You see, because the, the, the default stance of living is not wisdom. It is actually foolishness. And here Paul's exhorting us to resist it, to fight against it, to take our stand. And having done all, to stand. So he's saying to us, be very careful how you live. Be very careful how you plan. Be very careful what you say yes to. Be very careful what you say no to. Be very careful then how you live. And then Paul goes on and he says, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. The days are evil. He's saying, look around you, pay attention. Look at the the situation in which you find yourselves. Be careful how you live because the days are evil. The things around you are evil and they're going to pull you off center unless you're paying attention. Culture will very happily drag us away from the very things that we know in our knowers, that we even say absolutely matter most to us. The culture in which we find ourselves will uh, drive us away from that. Uh, and relentlessly drive us into a marginless and meaningless uh, ditch. Be very careful then how you live. How do we do it? How is it that we focus and pay our attention to the things that we believe 
are really important. The things that are, are, are the things that we value, the things that we hold in um, high regard. How is it that we live in such a way so that we're focusing our attention on those things and not so much on things that merely pull us into the opposite direction, into a meaningless and marginless life? Let me just try this on you, um, which may help us stay focused on things that matter. I think it was uh, Eisenhower. I think it was Eisenhower who came up with this. I think it's called the Eisenhower Principle, and he used it to organize his life. Um, he's quoted as saying, what is important is seldom urgent, and what is urgent is seldom important. And then uh, Stephen Covey, um, he took, I think he took Eisenhower's principles and made it famous and made himself a fortune in his book, you know, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And um, you'll be familiar with this probably. It's, you know, the urgent, important matrix. And, and essentially, it helps us work out where we should be putting some of our energies. And it helps us understand some of that stuff by understanding the difference between how important something is and how urgent something is. And so uh, you've got this uh, thing, this four-box matrix that we love so much and... Uh, you've got this axis here at the bottom, urgent, and then this axis here, important. It's probably quite self-explanatory. You could probably work that out for yourself. Um, and then the next slide, I think, tells you which... See, this is, this is high, and this is low, and this is high, and this is low. You know, I think you can probably get the drift of that. And, um, and so the point of this is really just to help us... How are we thinking about investing more of our time dealing with what's actually important to us and away from the things that are... Uh, merely urgent. And, and usually the urgent is what someone else is telling us is urgent. And, and what happens, each square gives us a sort of a recommended action for the things uh, in, in that space. And so uh, if it's important and urgent, you do it. Okay? Uh, if it's uh, important but not urgent, you make time for it. You make time to do it. If it's not important but it's urgent, you try not to do it. Uh, and if it's not important and not urgent, you just don't do it. Okay? How do we know what's the difference between uh, what's important and what's urgent? How can we discern the two? Well, urgent things are, are usually the things that just have got like, deadlines to them. Um, and uh, they are usually somebody else's important. They're somebody else's important or somebody else's urgent. And um, it could be a deadline at work. It could be, you know, someone, your boss, usually telling you, I need this by yesterday. Can you make this happen? Uh, blah, blah, blah. Um, it, it could be the phone ringing in the middle of supper. Um, it could be your email pinging just, you know, we now will use our iPhones or whatever as our alarm clocks. And so you, you don't know how to work this because you need your volume up for your alarm, but you want your volume down for your mails and messages and there's probably some technology or app that will silence it but you just go to get into bed and suddenly you get a ping and it's like you think it's an email and you should probably look at it and so you look at it and you know you shouldn't have looked at it because then you've gone trying to go to sleep and you're depressed because you know what you've got to do tomorrow or something like that these are the sort of urgent things drivers all around the bend important things on the other hand are things that are tied to our values tied to our beliefs these are the things that we really want to do we, these are the things that we believe that we should be doing. These are the things that we know that if we were doing those things, these are the very things that are going to help me become the very person that God has called me to be. Things like prayer. Things like reading the scriptures. Things like spending time with our families. Uh, spending time with 
God. These are the things that are actually important. And we need to make sure that we're not getting the urgent confused with the important. And it's a mistake that we often make. Let's have a, just a quick look at each square in turn. The first one is this is, this is important and urgent. This is the just do it box. These are the thing, things in this space. These are just the things that just need to get, they just need to get done. This is a, yeah, they're urgent, um, uh, but they're, they, they're also important to you. Okay? So they have got to get done. Uh, when you're in this space, a lot of this space is, is about firefighting. It's about crisis kind of management. And um, it's quite a stressful place to be. And you really don't, you want to try and limit your amount of time in this space. You know, 10, 20% of your time sort of max in this space. Um, next one is important but not urgent. This is, this is a lovely space to be. This is, this is, this is the space we, we want to be in. This is where we should be spending most of our time. It's, it's when we're doing the stuff that sits in here that we're really moving towards the things that God is calling us to. Doing things in this space, it, it, it kind of gives you a warm glow inside because you, you, you know you're doing the right sort of things. Um, and you know you've just done something that um, really adds value to your life and, 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 and nobody was chasing you over it, no one was hassling you. You kind of just makes you feel great. Um, the problem is, is that we need to find time in order to be able to work in this space. And so uh, the challenge is to make time to do the things here. And then the subsequent challenge is to protect that time and ring fence it above everything else at all costs. And the challenge here is that um, things start off in this space as being um, important but not urgent. The things that are important but not urgent in this space will eventually become urgent if we leave them too long. Does that make sense? Um, and the classic example for us is our relationship with God. If we keep putting prayer and spending time in the scriptures and spending time with the Lord, if we keep putting that out of our lives because we just don't have time, right? something that started off as just being really important will increasingly become urgent as the wheels of our lives start to fall off. And we suddenly find ourselves actually kind of in the ditch. And suddenly the need to pray and the need to read the scriptures and the need to spend time with God has suddenly gone from not only being important, it's gone to being critical. It's become a crisis. It's become urgent and important. And so uh, if we value discipleship, if we really want to become like Jesus then we need to be making sure that we're making time to be with him. This is where we should be spending most of our, our time in this space. And this is um, doing the things that really matter to us as followers of Jesus. And the things that really matter to us are our relationship with God, our relationship with one another, um, investing in our families, investing in our marriages, investing in our children, investing in our uh, spaces around us where we find ourselves and the people in the lives around us, our mission field, people that God has called us to, win to Jesus. Then what about the things that are um, urgent but not important? Well, these are the things that um, steal away our precious time. There's lots of urgent stuff in our lives, but actually a lot of it, when you analyze it, is not very important. Uh, things like the phone um, constantly ringing, things like um, work emails, 
coming in all day, all night. Um, and as I say, they're usually somebody else's urgent. And, and these are things that we can find ourselves doing uh, if we're not uh, careful. And so there's no time left in our day for these things that really matter. Oh. Margin, right there. So it's like a walking illustration. You just suddenly feel peaceful. Right. Lovely. I'll stop talking. Um, these are the things that we should just try not to do. Get somebody else to do them. Uh, and then lastly, the uh, not important and not urgent. Seriously, this should be the easiest thing for us, but depending on how stressed we are and how partial we are to displacement activity could be a space that some of us find solace and comfort in um, by spending as much time as we possibly can doing absolutely nothing of any constructive purpose at all. Um, we shouldn't be doing this. Quite simply, the stuff in this book is just the stuff that we should not do. I bet. Um, these, are just, these are the things that pull us away from what God has called us to. Uh, uh, it's, this is the space where watching endless hours of television comes into this space. Do you see? There's absolutely no use whatsoever, right? Ultimately, okay? Um, and so, let's just, just don't do that, he says. Um, <laughs> uh, and so, Odyssey, is Odyssey, that's, when that's finished, then we can stop watching TV. Um, whatever it is that wastes your time, let's just, let's not do that. Okay, so just, this is just a tool, um, maybe, maybe it's a helpful one for some of us to help us stay on track, to help us to make sure that we're spending our time wisely on the things that really matter to us and the things that really matter to God. So um, try your hardest. Let's be trying our hardest as we think about margin over the summer to be um, planning and protecting uh, important and not urgent time and space. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, because, you know, make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Now, uh, there may be some of you who are not management consultants out there, and there may be some of you who um, don't like uh, four-box matrix for working out what's important. Um, Why don't we take a look at the life of Jesus? Should we do that? Um, Mark, chapter 1. Let's see... What he might say. Mark chapter 1, um, let's start at verse 32. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon possessed. The whole town gathered at the door. And Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons. But he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Verse 35, very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone's looking for you. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I've So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. What's going on here? Well, uh, in verse 34, Jesus has spent the whole night 
healing the sick and casting out uh, people's demons. Um, important, absolutely. And I guess for the people who are sick, pretty urgent, probably. So uh, that makes sense. Jesus giving himself to healing the sick. Jesus um, giving himself to investing his time and energy into, very much into the things that he is uh, being called to. So absolutely important. Jesus properly operating out of the right quadrant of Eisenhower's matrix. Um, but then what does he do? Look at verse 35. Favorite verse of mine. Then in the uh, early morning, while it was still dark, just like my favorite time of day, um, Jesus got up, left the house, didn't just stay in bed. He, he actually got up and left the house and went off to a deserted place, and there he prayed. You look at the life of Jesus, you read through the Gospels, time and time and time and time again, Jesus takes time out. Jesus takes time away to do what? To be with the Father. To be with the Father. Then, early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up and he left the house and he went to a deserted place. And there he prayed. And it's from that place. It's from that place of intimacy with God that Jesus discovers his importance. He discovers what's really important for him. And it's away from the clamor of everyone else's urgent. It's away from the unimportant and the non-urgent. Jesus goes and he seeks the counsel of the Father. About what the Father would have him give his time to. So when Simon and all the, all the, all the disciples come back and they're, they're, they're searching for Jesus. And it's like, you know. Jesus, everyone's looking for you. There are all these sick people and they're all demon possessed. And like, seriously, you've got to get to work. Like, roll up your sleeves. There's like, like a big queue of really sick people. If, you know, if you hadn't wandered off, I'm, I'm, re- I'm paraphrasing. You know, if you hadn't wandered off and just disappeared. I mean, we woke up in the morning. It was like nine o'clock and we slept in and stuff like that. We woke up, you weren't there. And then we didn't know where you were. And we searched high and low for you. And now look at the, look at the people. They're just swarms of people. You really, you know, get, you need to get to it. Jesus' reply is, well, then let's go somewhere else. Imagine the disciples like, no, no, no. Like, we've been like corralling all these people and keeping them at bay. You know, the least you can do is now go and heal them. I mean, we have been like waiting for ages. They were all on ticketed things, you know, like you get whatever. And um, there'll be an there'll be outcry. And Jesus goes, mm, yeah, no, let's go somewhere else. Uh, we'll, I know we'll go to the neighboring towns and villages and you know, I, I can give my message to uh, there too because that's, that's actually why I've come. So everyone's looking for him. Jesus, Jesus knows that God has something else in mind. Jesus knows that the Father has something better, even better. And he knows that because he'd taken time out and spent time with the Father first. Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Let's not be a people who say, oh, how I wish I had more time. If only I had more time. I wish I had more time for this, or I wish I had more time for that. Let's not be a people who say, oh, do you know what? I'd really love to do that. I just don't have the time. I'm so busy. 
We have time. We have time. We have time for what we choose to have time for. We make the choice as to how we live. And we make the choice as to whether we're going to live as wise or as unwise. The choice is entirely as absolutely nobody else's. Don't let anybody else talk you out of what is most important for you. Don't let anybody else sway you from what the Father has spoken to you about, who you are and what he's called you to be. Don't be swayed from what's the most important thing. And what is the most important thing? Most important thing, and as soon as the margin is squeezed out of our lives, in almost every instance, it's the very first thing that gets squeezed out. The most important thing is intimacy with God. The most important thing, our relationship with our Heavenly Father. Uh, as soon as we get rushed, as soon as we get overwhelmed, um, the, the, the very thing that should never get squeezed, the very thing that should be the last thing ever to go, for many of us is often the very first thing to go. And it's, it's our time with God. It's intimate, serious time with the Father. Intimate and consistent time, realigning daily with the Father, realigning with the Word of God, um, realigning with the truth of the Scriptures, realigning just with God's presence. Matthew 6, verse 33, you know this, says, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added to you also. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Seek him first. Seek his kingdom first. Seek his righteousness first. Seek him first. And then all these other things, where you're going to live, what you're going to wear, you know, all that stuff. All those other things will be added into you also when we seek him first. And I, you know, some of you might say, well, you know, this is all really easy for you to say, no, you only work one day a week and you only work a few hours at that. Um, You know, the rest of us, the rest of you, um, live in the real world, I spend most of my week on top of a mountain top, you know, contemplating my navel, and, um, you know, you live in the real world and stuff like that, you know, I don't have time, one might say, I don't have time, I don't have time for this kind of time with God. We don't have time not to have time with God. We don't have time not to have time with God. If, if you want everything else to be added to you, if you want to know what living well looks like, being careful then how you live, we must seek him first. It's the, it's the most import, it is the most important thing that we can do. And um, if we leave it too long, it will become the most urgent thing too. It's like your tithe. It's like, it's like our money. We, we give the first fruits of our money and God somehow, I don't understand it, somehow blesses all of the rest of it. Because we, it doesn't make any sense because we haven't got enough of it, we don't think. And so we just go, well, just in faith, I'm just going to give away first fruit of my income. God miraculously does something time and time again. When we seek him first, 
when we do this, when we get up before it's light, when we get up in the dark, and we, it doesn't have to be dark, by the way, but, you know, if you're getting up early, right, and you're seeking the Lord, and you do that first thing, the whole rest of your day is aligned. It's like you're tired. The rest of the day, the rest of your hours become blessed, and God does something miraculous. Because we've aligned ourselves first thing in the morning to the heartbeat of God. Before anything else, above everything else. If we're wanting margin in our lives, over and above the urgent, over and above the unimportant, uh, this is the most important thing that we can do. Give ourselves to deepening and growing in our relationship with God. And so over the summer, um, let's build up. Let's increase. Let's grow the amount of time that we are spending uh, with God, the amount of time that we're giving to God. Um, we started at five minutes a couple of weeks ago, right? And we just started by just saying, okay, let's just all give five minutes just to just being in God's presence. Okay, and we did that for a week, right? And then some of us didn't do that for a week, and so we had to go back to the beginning and stuff like that. But we're kind of, we're moving in the right direction. Okay, and then what we did is we ramped it up last week to 10 minutes, you know, and um, it's just like just 10 minutes, just being in God's presence, just being still, not doing anything, not thinking anything, not laboring in vain, just being in God's presence. Now we're going to increase it to 15 minutes. Not 11, Mike, 15. <laughs> just, just go to 15 and, um, you know, start opening the scriptures. Just spend some time just immersing ourselves in the scriptures, meditate on a psalm, just read some of the scriptures. And, um, and then over the, over the coming weeks, over the weeks of summer, let, just add to that time. Increase that time. Make, let's make time for God over and above everything else. Just sit in his presence and try and do it first thing. Try and do it very early in the morning, maybe while it's still dark. Maybe get out of bed. Maybe even leave the house. Maybe go and find a deserted place and spend time in the Father's presence. Just sit in his presence. Open up his word daily and uh, just take it all in. Just soak it all up. Soak him up. Soak up how much he loves you. Just sit and experience, just allow yourself to be held by the Father. Allow the Father just to love you. That's all he wants to do. He wants to let you know how much he loves you. Just um, bathe in his glory and his goodness. Just, you know, like you're going to lie on a beach in the sun. Just do exactly the same sort of thing. Just lie in the presence of the Almighty and allow the glory of his presence to minister to you. Just allow his Holy Spirit to minister to you. Let Jesus speak words of comfort to you. The invitation the Spirit of God is calling us. He's saying, this summer, come away with me. Yeah? Come away with me. Let's realign our hearts. Let's realign our hearts to the things of God. And watch as sovereignly and supernaturally we regain margin in our lives as a result. Why don't you, why don't you stand?